Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. It's so nice to be back in the saddle right here at Faith Radio. Looking forward to spending a couple hours with you. I love when we can spend time together. I'm thinking of my day that I've planned for you, and Patrick Albanese is going to get me started here in just a minute. I always like to start the week off on a little bit of a light note. And as you know, Patrick is a longtime friend and colleague, and he's a uh, professional magician and comedian and radio host and spent a year on TV. He did all kinds of interesting stuff. Was also once the manager of the largest privately held uh, club in the world. So he's got uh, quite a range of experience, as you know. And then the Monday afternoon mix is going to continue with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're going to continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're going to cover that and all the amazing things we can learn from that. And then hour two, uh, Ken Samples, who's both a philosopher and a theologian. He's got a new book called Christianity Cross-Examined. Is it rational, relevant, and good? That's what the show is for today. I'm excited to bring on Patrick. He is from the great state of Iowa and the very prestigious prestigious town of West Des Moines. <laughs> That's hard to say. Patrick, welcome. It is. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm excited to find out that they actually finally got you that saddle in the studio <laughs> so that you can be back in the saddle. Exactly. You know, you, all this time you've been sitting on a chair. On a comfortable chair. Now they got a saddle in here. Yeah, that probably keeps you much more alert. It does. Uh, do you ride You're, English style? I do. do it, it's saddle? quite uncomfortable, actually. But, you know, it's not about my comfort. No, 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 no. If it keeps you alert and uh, attentive to the listener's needs, then I think uh, side saddle is the way to go. Which is yeah, my I almost, goal. As you know, I, I I tend to fill my day and I try to get home just in time to do the show. Almost didn't make it today. Thank Why you. Not? Uh, grocery store self-checkout. Um, Tell it's me not more. faster. No, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I have to admire, and, and I, I, I'm beginning to think it's intentional. I believe my grocery store has come up with a brilliant plan to sort of train us and to motivate us and to get us to start using the self-checkout. And uh, like I usually tend to go in the morning, and I've noticed that um, they've, they've gotten rid of most of the employees that I was used to after they put the self-checkout lanes in, and they've hired one surly guy <laughs> to, to just man the, the, the single check station, and he's got an attitude and he's excruciatingly slow at what he does. He's just got this kind of scowl on his face, and then you show up, and he grabs the items slowly, one at a time. And so, like, I'll, I'll try to, I, like, if I see this guy, I think, oh boy, I have to, I have to line my items up, and I'll say, well, here, I'll put the ten yogurts that are the same flavor, same everything, right here, and he can just punch the ten number, but not this guy. <laughs> One at a time, and he slowly turns it as if he can't find the the labels in the same place on every one of them, buddy. It's in the same. There's just hit hit the ten button, and then you're you're done. And and he just seems to be so inconvenienced by you being there. And he's got this kind of look on his face, like I hate my life. And for the next five minutes, 
you're going to hate your life too. <laughs> so, well, you're you're one of those annoying customer types. Yes, I kind of got in the way of the plan. And right. Now, in the past, I've been able to deal with these guys because at least as they ran the stuff through, I would go down to the other end and I would self-bag so that I didn't have to have him use, you know, the same speed of, uh, <laughs> of working. But now this guy, for some reason, I think he has it in for me. He hoards the products down at his end. Of the, he doesn't put them on the belt so that they go down to the end. I thought, I think, and I look at him, I go, I thought you wanted my help. I'm helping you do your job. But now he hoards them, and then he slowly packs them as if he's got to face the labels all just a certain way, like there's like there's a feng shui method of packing <laughs> that guarantees a happy, successful life. Huh? It just... And, the process takes forever, but if I go to the self-checkout and let's say I have those 10 yogurts, each time it'll flag and the manager has to come over and clear it. It'll say, you know, because they're lightweight. And so you, you put them in there and the thing doesn't sense that you put something in the bag. So it says unknown item oh. in the checkout area. And the manager has to come by. And so this process now takes hours, it takes <laughs> hours on, on a positive note. I did get employee of the month. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah. I ah, love that. It tells you. Yeah. I'm almost as surly as the guy who, uh, <laughs> I, but every day I go, there he is. I said, why did they hide? Well, they got rid of, they had double bag and Betty who double bagged everything. And then they had a single sack Sue who would put 13 items <laughs> with sharp corners in a single sack. But they're both gone, and they were extremely pleasant. And now they've just got a surly Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Almost didn't make it. Yeah. Almost didn't make it. So, Patrick, your education growing up was obviously riddled with problems, as you were once taught at the <laughs> tender age of 15 that there were nine planets. And today, thanks to shifting science, we know there's only eight. How could science yes. change their mind on that one? I thought science was something that that is settled. Well, now, when I was 15 also, my uh, science textbook was covered with stories about the coming ice age. Oh, True. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. And uh, and there was also going to be a worldwide food shortage, and uh, the population was going to drop precipitously because uh, we were going to starve to death by the 1980s. Uh, so science made a couple of mistakes, as it has been known to do. They, they It turns out they were wrong about that Galileo thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> they were very wrong about that. Yeah. So Isn't have, it funny how we adjust, though, when we say, well, now it's right, and now we don't question anymore. It's like that's what they've been saying for forever. I know. That we finally got the science right, and now we stop questioning. It's like, no, you always question. Yeah. So looks like there's, what, skateboarding and surfing in the Olympics now? I, I, look, I look fondly upon the time of the Olympics in 1906 and 1908 where pistol dueling was a sport. <laughs> we don't have fun anymore. We just don't have fun anymore. Uh, how did that get, you know, it's, it, I see some of these sports that they have now and they say, well, we're, we're thinking of getting rid of wrestling, but yeah, we're, we're going to include, uh, yeah, skateboarding. Yeah. You go, I guess it's a, I guess it's a sport. I mean, um, I think if there's ever, um, a risk of injury, does that make it a sport? Yeah, I don't know. Now I will say that the sport involved two male competitors wearing protective equipment for their hands, face, and torso, firing at each other with pistols loaded with wax bullets. So it it wasn't until <laughs> it wasn't until the death the end the death of somebody. It was just it was just uh, pistol dueling. I thought that'd be I'd watch that. 
Yeah. Now, I wonder if, you know, uh, yeah, up until then, if there was a, a time prior to that where they actually hadn't discovered the wax bullet principle <laughs> and said, we're going to do this. So, you know, we're really going to know who the winner is. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be no uh, slow motion replay, no videotape to see who crossed the line first. If you're still standing, you won. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the wax bullets, I, I, you know, I, I can see like most sports you'd say, well, here's a practical application for a skill that maybe you can go out. Like if you, if you play soccer or basketball, you could go play soccer or basketball, have some fun. But what's the practical application in practicing and trying to perfect how to become a good duelist? Yeah, exactly. You know, you go, okay, when this, when the, when the uh, Olympics are over, what are you going to do? I, I don't know. I'm going to look for some people to duel with. I'm the yeah. world champion. <laughs> <laughs> And then I think of Jim Thorpe, who was an American athlete and Olympic gold medalist, and I think he participated in the 1912 Games. And when he showed up to run, a race he won, by the way, uh, yeah. he, he either uh, had his shoes stolen, he literally fished two shoes out of the trash, put them on, and ran. Yeah. And these days, the well... One of the things I do find fascinating is watching, you know, here are the best people in the world and the difference between first place and say fourth place, not even getting a medal can be a half a second. I know. Uh, on some of these sports, you go a half a second. I mean, can you imagine your whole life? You say, yeah, if I was just a half a second faster, just a half a second. Right. I'd be I, I world be, champion today. I wouldn't be working at, at the cashier, the surly guy <laughs> at the, the cashier. <laughs> you know, the guy did look like he had a pair of shoes he pulled out of the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it. Yeah. Have you yeah. watched any of the Olympics? Because I have not tuned in once. Uh, we've uh, watched a little bit here because my wife just absolutely loves the gymnastics. So, uh, and I... I have to, let's see, I watched a little bit of sprinting. I didn't really watch any of the gymnastics. Um, I do like watching Katie Ledecky swim mm -hmm. because uh, uh, talk about, you know, this isn't a half a second difference here. She, there are people that I think just getting out of the pool saying, it's just hopeless. <laughs> there's this, there's, you can't, you can't beat her. She's, she's uh, kind of inspirational to watch. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, it, it, I mean, reminds me of uh, Michael Phelps was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. Here's, here's a tidbit, by the way. Do you know how many calories a day during the peak of his training Michael Phelps would take in a day? I want to say it was around 10,000. It was 12,000. Oh, my. I mean, you've you know, got to be oh, eating nonstop. You're, yeah. It's, uh, you know, basically the groceries that uh, my mother bought for the family would feed Michael Phelps. <laughs> for one day. <laughs> for one day. <laughs> My mm. mom's, yeah, my mom's grocery bill for eight kids and my mom and dad, uh, Michael Phelps, come over and said, this is close. <laughs> yeah. This ought to cover me. Yeah. When you're Michael Phelps, you uh, discover two meals between breakfast and brunch. <laughs> That's not easy. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I don't even know how you prepare that much food. I don't uh, either. To, to, to taking 12,000 calories a day. I don't know how big your refrigerator is, but. Uh, Have you ever had yeah. 12,000 calories in one day? I, maybe at the Iowa State Fair or something. That'd probably be the place uh, where, where you do it. Yes. Um, I, I mean, they did have, and I didn't try the deep fried butter on a stick. I, I don't know. 
But they actually there was a year they they took a stick of butter and they huh. deep fried it and served it up on a stick. No, they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, wow. I believe that I'm trying to think it was a few years back. But they said, well, yeah, you can actually just get this. I thought, well, I mean, who's handing them out? The local cardiologist? Yeah, exactly. You get it with a business card. A ten percent <laughs> coupon for angioplasty. You eat that. Well, I think it actually came with a punch card because if you're gonna. <laughs> You're going to eat deep fried butter uh, on a stick. Oh, that sounds horrible. All yeah, right. I've got, I've got a number of other things to talk to you about, so don't go anywhere. Patrick Albanese is my guest. As we get the week started, we're so glad you're with me today. Uh, we will take a short break and be right back. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Patrick Albanese is my guest who once got into a debate with his pet rock and won. He's uh, <laughs> very skillful, Patrick. Barely. Bar well, I know, barely, but you hung in there good, barely. as did the pet rock. I just... I just, uh, it's funny, a uh, little bit ago before we got on the air, I was telling my kids, said, you know, please do not mess around with the space-time continuum. And the thing is, I'm almost positive I told them that already. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would have warned me on that one. Okay. Uh, there's an interesting article on the psychological response to ordering stuff online. Like you make the selection, you put it in your cart, you hit buy. You check yes. your, for your confirmation email. You patiently await the shipping confirmation information. You make a notice when you think it's going to arrive. You periodically peer out the window on the delivery day for the truck. You gather your box at the doorstep. All this stuff just overrides the just going into the store and buying it and walking out principle. Somehow and we love the right perks away. that come with the online stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we get more excited about waiting a day or two for an item. <laughs> what we could have it right now. What is with yeah. that? I don't know. I mean, remember what you send into like a couple of box tops. You you have to eat a lot of cereal, <laughs> you know. And uh, they they weren't exactly giving away like uh, you know a, a toothbrush and toothpaste for eating four boxes of Crunch Berries <laughs> in order to get enough enough box tops to get whatever free thing it was. But like a Matchbox car. Yeah. And you know, four to six weeks for delivery, which always and remember you know just watching that mailbox. Well, so my daughter just went through this process. She wanted to get some of these LED lights to put around the top of her room. And she says, you know, she researches them. She finds them on Amazon and uh, she's all, so she orders them. And then she goes through the process and I, I and I see so much of myself in her and, and, and I think of how many times I've been fooled by this and disappointed, but it says, Hey, thanks for placing your order. Uh, guess what? It should be arriving tomorrow uh, before 9 a.m. And uh, so she's, you know, waiting. And then at 9 a.m., I, I check the updates because her package isn't here. It says, yeah, we're just updating that between 9 and 10 a.m. And uh, uh, 10 o'clock comes and goes. And it's, it's still not there. And so I said, well, here, look at the thing here. It says, look at that. Oh, it's got these four categories. It's got order placed, check boxes marked, you know. Uh, uh, let's see. And then it says, uh, I think, uh, what is it? Out for delivery is one of their things. Yeah, out for delivery. Yeah. Yeah, they do the uh, they do the out for delivery, and then uh, I, I think uh, there's right before it gets to you, 
it says, uh, yeah, uh, oh no, it says shipped, ordered, shipped, out for delivery. And those boxes are checked and there's a little, that little blue line that comes down. And then, and then the last thing is arrived. <laughs> and I go, look, that, that means it's on a truck, sweetie. It's on a truck and it's on its way here. And then as the day goes on, it keeps, the, the, the time keeps getting pushed and she's getting more disappointed. So I teach her how to talk to the Alexa and say, you know, where's my package? And she says, it's en route. It should be there by 245. And then as the day goes on pretty soon, Alexa's no longer speaking to her. <laughs> Alexa's like, I, I look, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, I just work for the guy. I don't. By eight o'clock, my daughter, 12 years old, is thinking, I, I don't really like Jeff Bezos anymore. I really don't like him. Where's my package? I says, well, it says right here. And then we look at it. I go, it looks like the blue line just went backwards a little bit. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, oh, the blue line can't go backwards. Are they leaving? I said, no, no. It says it's still going to get here by 10 o'clock. And uh, I say, well, honey, I, I just want you to know it's now 945. She says, well, there's 15 minutes. I said, I know, but I'm just going to say from experience Chances are highly likely that there's nobody out there in an Amazon truck at 9:45 on a Sunday night coming to deliver your lights. <laughs> it's Sunday night. Yeah. I, I just I don't think there's a driver going. I just got to get this one last package out. And then of course you start to get that paranoid. Maybe the driver saw my package and said, "This is something I've been wanting, and I'm just not going to deliver this one. I'm keeping oh, this for myself." Why would you myself. do that to your daughter? No, the paranoia sets in. Yeah. And so, of course, you, you, she goes to Alexis and says, I'd like the name of the driver. <laughs> <laughs> but then at 10.01, it says, yeah, you're not going to get it today. What did you think? We were going to deliver something at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night? And, and she's disappointed. And then another notification says, good news, your package is on the way. It should arrive by 9 a.m. tomorrow. And we start fresh as if the previous 24 hours had not happened. Now, now your package did arrive today, but I go, I go, that's me. I watched that thing. Like, I, I need to see it in transit. But I used to say I would drop something in the mail, and they'd say four to six weeks, and I knew it would be eight weeks, and I wouldn't even think about it for a month. Right. Because I would say, I got to give them the four weeks. I'll give them the four. Maybe they'll be one of those good companies that I'm going to do business <laughs> with when I have money. But isn't it? Why? It's, uh, we're waiting for something, and we became so impatient. And like you said, I could have gone to the corner store, one of these TJ Maxx stores, sure. and said, well, they got them right here. Let's just go buy those right now. Yeah. And we're done. Yeah, I don't know. I know. What, is, what it is with our brains that some kind of fireworks go off in our brains for many people. And you it sounds like you and I included, where you order something and then you've got that wondering when it's going to show up thing. Yeah, it was uh, it was so much fun to mail order stuff, but also because you probably had a lot of the same, you know, gimmicky catalogs, the novelty catalogs and magic catalogs. You'd, you'd, you'd get a magic catalog for magic tricks or something, and they'd say, oh, by the way, we've got this surefire hysterical little gag. It's a flower, and when your friends go to sniff it, it squirts <laughs> water in their face, right? <laughs> and you would say, I, well, I absolutely have to have that. It's 50 cents. Uh, so I, I must have it and you'd order it and you would wait the six to eight weeks and you'd say, nobody, nobody's going to sniff this flower. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is a plastic looking flower and yeah. it's got water dripping from it all over my vest. Yeah. <laughs> and if you put on the x-ray glasses, you're going to see somebody's skeleton through their clothes. Well, I don't get that either. 
Yeah, you just you go. How do these work? Yeah. And how do they do it for a dollar ninety nine? Right. That's, you know, I mean, you know, for the folks that get that uh, kind of like, uh, what was the one of those scientific, you know, magazines that would have the pocket calculator that was two hundred dollars for a pocket calculator, and I'd say, yeah, but these glasses that allow me to see people's bones, dollar ninety nine. Right. That's technology yeah. right there. Right. I don't know how they do it. Right. Yep. So. And then. We only have a couple of minutes, Patrick. Let's talk about um, talking to your friends the way you talk to yourself. Would you do it? Oh, okay. So, and it's funny, I texted you this earlier and you said, you know, an old uh, teacher of yours, I think, had given that to you. I had never heard that till yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I heard it 30 years ago. If you treated, and, your, if you treated your friends the way you treat yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. Yeah. Yeah, if you spoke to your friends, so let's say that a friend of yours, you know, has an endeavor, there's something they're going after, start a business, whatever, and it fails, you'd say, hey, hey, don't get depressed, you know, get back up on the saddle, uh, try again, uh, you know, you can do it, I have faith in you. But if you had started that endeavor, would your self-talk be the same as the talk you would give to your friend, or would it be more along the lines of, well, you failed? <laughs> looks like looks like you're just a big old loser and uh, you should have been an accountant. And uh, I can't imagine what it's going to be like to eat ramen for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? That's what, what were you thinking? No, yeah. Another thought across your head. Yeah. And, 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 and it's so it hit me at my age, finally hearing it so succinctly put. I thought, why do we talk to ourselves like that? And you know, it's not like we don't do the same type of talk with God. We only get mad at God when things are going poorly for us. When things are going well, we pretty much like to heap the praise like, boy, did I work hard for that. Mm. Boy, did I deserve that. Boy, am I just a good old yeah. guy. We have some stinking thinking. We have some stinking thinking, as mm -hmm. Zig Ziglar would say. Yeah. And yep. Did he originate that thought, the stinking thinking? I don't know, but he sure made it popular. Yeah. I think, uh, and he says, you know, it's your, 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 what was it? Your attitude, not your aptitude that determines your altitude. I've right. always liked that. One I like too. that one too. Yeah. That was a good the other one, one I heard was, Zig. if you, if you want to be enthusiastic, you must act enthusiastic. Yeah. But he would then say enthusiasm, and I just could never bring myself to do that. <laughs> 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 yeah. I loved Zig Ziglar. Yeah. Though. Good stuff. And he had a great book, you know, of course, see you at the top, but he had Confessions of a Happy Christian, which was also quite a big a solid seller. Believer. Yeah. Yeah. And and for a guy who was on the bestseller business books to say, oh, by the way, I'm coming out with another book and it's about my faith. Yeah. Fantastic. That was, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Patrick, thanks for uh, the time. Uh, it's always good to get things started on a light note, especially for me. I appreciate it. I want thanks. to... Uh, um, I want to wish you a great rest of the day, and I will talk to you again soon. Talk to you soon. All right. See you later. Bye. Patrick Bye. Albanese has been my guest to get things started. We've got a great show coming up. The Monday Afternoon Mix is next with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're going to continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount. And then in hour two, Ken Samples will be joining me for the full hour. He's got a new book called Christianity Cross-Examined. Is it rational, relevant, and good? That's all next.
he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach. And that was the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, probably the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached, and perhaps the most famous sermon ever given by anyone. Pastor David Miles is here with Rosie B. for the Monday Afternoon Mix. Awfully glad, David, to be back in Rosie, talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We covered a couple of the uh, uh, Beatitudes and Salt and Light last week, and I think we're going to jump in to continue the study because it's so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Wait a minute. I was gone last week. I want to hear a, oh, yeah. Come on. David. That's you. Oh, yeah. There we go. go. I missed it. I can't beat that. What about Bill? Bill, come on. Come on, Bill. Oh, yeah. See, it's not as good. (laughs) Not as good. I try. I don't know. I try my hardest. You try your hardest. I try my hardest. I listened to your previous show last week. It was very good. It was interesting. It was good. I love this. I love this passage. Mm -hmm. Matthew 5 through 7. Get your Bibles out because we're going to continue our study. David, I think we we went through the Beatitudes and Salt and Light. I think we're up to uh, 5, chapter 5, 17 through 20. Jesus fulfilled the law. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, What does that mean? Well, we'll start off by reading it. Why don't we? And we'll, we'll let ourselves saturate in it, and then we'll jump in. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of God. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Ouch. That's all I can say to that one. Ouch. Mm-hmm. A lot in there. There, there is a lot. There is a lot in here. And, um, you know, this this becomes kind of a precursor as Jesus in our next kind of pericope section is going to start unpacking the difference between what is the law and the spirit of the law. Um, but the idea that Jesus um, didn't come just to abolish them, but to fulfill them, you right. know, not take away. And I mean, the coolest thing about it, it's Jesus, you know, Jesus, the fullness. I, you know, we love how in Colossians that he's the fullness of God, you know. So so he fulfills the the, the truest meaning of of Scripture. You know, he, the, what is there, Bill, like 400 different prophecies, uh, Old Testament prophecies about Christ, I think so. Yeah. And how Four, he, 400 or 600. I can't remember which one. Right. And like he fulfilled all of them, mm-hmm. which, you know, for the person who's like, you know, I wonder if he's like really, real, you know, the statistical probability I of know. that is is so out there. Um, but he came to fulfill what the law had spoken about under Moses with the Ten Commandments and even the prophets, what the prophets prophesied about the Christ coming uh, to to fulfill God's very purposes. You know, we read about it in Isaiah 53, a beautiful passage about how God laid upon him, this lamb, all the sins of the world, uh, and that we were redeemed by his work. And so throughout scripture, it would, scripture would just talk about, um, you know, basically we were usurpers. God created this perfect world, Genesis. Uh, We decided to believe the enemy who said, 
you know, the big guys holding on to the good stuff. Here, mm-hmm. choose your own path. We did. We entered into the fall, and uh, it went from good, bad to ugly, uh-huh, uh-huh, to really ugly. Um, but in God's grace, he still provided um, the means of us having a relationship with him, but it wasn't the fullness of it because the the Jews would do sacrificing of animals because without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin because mm-hmm. in the blood was life. Mm-hmm. So with Christ coming and what Christ was about to do in his message in his ministry of the gospel to die, to be that once for all sacrifice for all of mankind, he was about to fulfill everything with the law and with the prophets that that showed our separation from God. You know what I love about that in a world of resetting? Just reset, just start over. This is a newer, better version, right? I love that it's the continuation. It's God from the creation all the way through God, through the fulfillment. And I love that it's a growing and adding instead of a reset over. Then yeah. This is more important, right? You know, it's the second can't be without the first. I love that. Yeah, and, and you know, Rosie, in a in a in a very kind of in our commitment phobia kind of throwaway culture, where sometimes you know it's like, hmm, well, I don't like that. I'm just going to crumple it up and throw it away. You know, thank you, God, that you didn't like do that with us. You know, that you didn't do that with sinful humanity that you came and that you you literally didn't just, you know, like just do a makeover. Um, in Christ and his fulfillment, he literally transformed. He metamorphosed this whole thing. Didn't God do a makeover, with, though, with the flood? Oh, he did. But he bit. said he's only going to do that once. But I right? know. That was a little bit of a makeover. but That was a makeover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a little beautiful, like, painting in the sky of a rainbow that constantly reminds you Mm-hmm. of God's faithful covenant. Yep. So you might say, ah, you know, I'm not really sure about God. Well, good luck erasing the rainbow that gives a picture of his covenant not to do that again. Yeah, spectacular. All right. Uh, shall we move on to Matthew five twenty one through 26? Because this involves mm-hmm. anger and murder. Anger and murder. Anger and murder. You know, um, before we go there, Bill, one thing is interesting that Jesus said, first of all, um, not one iota, not one dot. I know, I saw that. Crossing, you know, crossing your T's, dotting our I's, that's where we get that idiom from, Mm -hmm. um, will pass until it is all accomplished. And this is important. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others will be called least of the kingdom. And whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You know, and sometimes we're, we're so concerned about our standing um, with people, you know. But ultimately, um, I think it was uh, Oz Guinness who wrote it or Dallas Willard talked about the audience of one. You know, living before an audience of one. And if there's any, any one person, you know, that you, you want to please in a, in a very good way, you know, it's God. Um, who who truly knows us. But it's important for us and what we do and say because modeling and teaching, is it, those are very powerful things. And so even as Jesus is talking about this, he's like, whoever teaches a person uh, to not obey this or teaches them to obey, it's just markedly the contrast between those two. Well, that was the source of my ouch. Because I think anybody walking in any sort of familial relationship 
when you have somebody in your close proximity who's sinning to be firm and to lay down the law of Christ and what he would have for them versus making them feel okay or trying to walk them gently. You know, you have to be gentle, but you also have to be firm. And so that's why I said, ouch, because I thought, oh my goodness, before I was saved, I definitely walked with trying to help people forget, you know, or make it okay that what they were doing, you know, not so much more after he saved me, but, Mm -hmm. or found my heart, but certainly I have memories of, of not standing firm for people for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, David. This verse 20 is interesting for, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of these scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus is saying this, do you understand what he's point he's making? Did he believe the scribes and Pharisees to have all this righteousness? Well, I kind of think in similar ways today that the that the scribes and Pharisees actually thought they had the That's righteousness. That's what I mean. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like, and sometimes one of the things we, we read scripture and we kind of get a little distant from it. And so, you know, let's let's kind of contemporize it and say, you know, Jesus saying, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that, you know, of graduates of my alma mater, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and the current people like myself who consider themselves to be evangelical. I mean, let that settle, you know, because sometimes what we think, we can begin to think that, Naturally, we, we often think whatever the line is, our toes are always on the other side of actually being in. And, I, and I'm not speaking about salvation here. I'm, I'm speaking about just that we're in the right. And so, and, and Jesus is just like, unless your, your righteousness exceeds that, because all of these, these people who were, you know, maybe unlearned and poor and part of, uh, you know, a culture uh, of being kind of, on the underside of things, and you might say, okay, PDM, how do you draw that? Well, in, in John in John 6, when Jesus um, feeds the 5,000, there's a section in that that notes that it was five barley loaves. And see, barley was the grain of the poor. So when Jesus does that miracle, that's why they looked and they're like, dude, first of all, you fulfilled Deuteronomy 18, 15 to be the prophet above prophets to do that. And you're providing manna. And now we're going to be in charge. We're going to go and take Herod and knock him out. And Jesus is like, nope, I have a completely different purpose. So the people who are listening to this, they're, they're not, you know, the creme de creme, you know. And so they're naturally thinking to themselves, oh, wow, you know, those people, they're really righteous. And, and, and that's what we want to look to. And we want to just be, if I could just be like that person, Jesus is like, not even them. Your, your righteousness needs to exceed that. And, and that places us all in the same place. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And my definition is all means all, and that's all that all means. And so we all need him. We, we don't have the righteousness um, to have a right standing. And so that's where Jesus is like, your righteousness needs to exceed whatever person you have in your mind. Mm, I like that. We are uh, enjoying Pastor David Miles, who on occasion, will refer to himself as PDM. So if you heard that, don't be confused. He's just talking, making reference to himself. Now, I always, I always, I always question when That's people scary. speak in the third person. You will never hear Bill Arnold do that. Yes. Never. 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 Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, but, I do it sometimes because, like, sometimes when I've been preparing a message and, and I've told people, like, you can you can tell, like, when I might have a question to the Lord, like, okay, that's 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 deep, that's really interesting, but, okay, what's that mean? What's right. that look like? And so, so sometimes even in preaching or thinking, uh, my own question, but even for people who are listening, it's like, great, instead of just speaking theological yakety-yak, yakety-yak, I mean, sometimes it's like, okay, so what's that mean? Like, totally. What's that look like? Mm-hmm. And and the beautiful thing, even with the Sermon on, on the Mount, is that Jesus, of all people, you know, puts the cookies, like, really on the bottom shelf and underground for people like me who need that. <laughs> All right, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount on the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles, or PDM, as he once in a while refers to himself, and Rosie B. We're really going to spend a couple more, I think, Mondays working through this. We have uh, covered the Beatitudes, Salt and Light, and then Jesus Fulfilled the Law. Time permitting, we're going to jump into uh, Matthew 5, 21 through 26, Anger and Murder. Just something we need to talk about on a Monday. We'll be right back. This is the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter 5 of Matthew. And as it starts in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Rosie, go ahead and say it one more time. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) That one didn't convict me as much as the other one did. Okay. Yeah. PDM, what do you got on this? Wow. Besides a lot of notes, which I see you looking at, which encourages me. This one is like really, you know, um, it's really very relevant, just this whole subject of anger. Um, Jesus starts off by saying, you heard it said, and then he says, but I say to you, because there, there was current, you know, current, um, you know, terminology and different things like that. And so people were thinking, you shall not murder, but whoever, whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable, liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, but whoever says you fool will be liable to Gehenna, to hell. And Bill, you know, um, what's what's something that separates um, the legal uh, conviction of, say, manslaughter from murder? Intent. Yeah. And what do we what do we call it, Rosie? We call it pre premeditated murder. Yep. Yep. So first degree premeditated. And so what, what it has in mind is that, you know, you know, people would think, oh, man, if I murder, like I kill someone. But Jesus is saying, look, 
one of the reasons why, say, vehicular manslaughter and like someone intending to kill is that it's the idea that an unseen thought formed within a person's mind, conscious, and the volition of their will then makes itself known and manifests itself in action with ill intent. And so for the person who's committed like, you know, manslaughter where it's like they didn't mean for that person to die, that's that's that that'll get you, can get you a number of years in jail, but the premeditated is where there's an intent of the heart that's there. And so Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. He's saying it's not just your action. And so that's why he starts off with anger, because a lot of it, it starts right there. I mean, it's the thought in the person that I'm so angry that I want to hurt you. I'm so angry. I want to, you know, kill you. And um, there's countless stories that we know of of people in in a rash moment of anger made a decision that had, you know, lifelong consequences and you know for for if that's you today you know and here's here's the thing a number of us with jesus is getting to the heart issue uh, a number of us have had these kind of these anger moments for some people it's manifested in ways where at that moment the light was shined on them shone on them and they were caught but we've had that ourselves and uh, so again before we stand and say oh i'm such a good person no you know i've had you know moments of just Deep frustration, and even that—that's prettying up the prettying up the terminology. There's been moments where I've been straight up upset, angry, mm-hmm. you know, about something, and it's like, and that's that's starting deep within, and, and a lot of anger comes from like hurt. So some different ways that we will deal with anger is sometimes we will suppress it, you know, we're like, I'm not going to let it come out. Um, um, we will express it in not necessarily good and healthy ways and and really God's wanting us to to really process it you know to process um the anger that's inside and so and a lot of times we feel that there's there's a wrong now scripture tells us there is a righteous type of anger you know when we see children or people being abused when image bearers aren't being uh, care for we we ought to have you know a righteous anger towards that and that's different from then when we feel like we don't get our way and we've been when we've been slighted so don't you think the difficulty from pr- that people don't want to process anger or that it sits so deep and then it can have layer over layer to an explosion point is because to process it you have to recognize you've been hurt and probably yeah. by people who are close to you and and that, you know, your relationship with the Lord for protection and for him to be there, perhaps in those times it didn't feel like he was, even though we know he was, mm-hmm. you know, but feelings are very different. And so to bury that, I think that's, it's so common because processing it makes you look at stuff that's kind of ugly. Yeah. And we, we're really good here uh, in this part of the country of of it's it's not just winter that's cold but we we can we can find ourselves dealing with lots of frozen rage mm-hmm. where it doesn't necessarily look like it it's coming out but you can definitely tell in a very humid hot summer that the temperature just dropped about 50 degrees right is that passive aggressive <laughs> it's not that minnesotan passive aggressive is it we would not be passive aggressive no you know 
And then in the text where it says, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, and of course, Raka is an Aramaic term of contempt. Mm. And I think contempt is like the most venomous of all emotions. Mm. It's one thing to be angry about something, but when you show someone contempt, that's like the worst. Yeah, it's actually something that led the Gottman, the Gottman Institute, John Gottman, who studies marriage. Oh, yeah. He said that it, it wasn't necessarily that people had arguments and fight. It's more how, how do we, we resolve them? And he said one of the most dangerous places is when we get to the point of where we have contempt for our spouse. Yes, exactly. Or contempt for our family member. And, and, and just kind of that really, you know, really writing off, like, I'm so, so done with you. And so, so really asking the Lord to keep our heart tender. And, and guys, one of the things, um, one it's hard to have gratitude and thanksgiving operating at the same time that you had contempt, anger, and disgust. Like one of them is going to is going to rule out, and that's why, you know, First Thessalonians five eighteen in all circumstances give thanks. And I think that's why God reminds us once again: be kind and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving one another, not just because you think you're right, but. Ephesians 4.32 says, just as God in Christ forgave you. And say it again, I will never have to forgive a fallen and imperfect Tammy more than a holy and perfect God has forgiven me in the last five seconds. Mm-hmm. So so that that part that happens. And so what happens here with this anger is that it, it comes out in words. And we are we are we are on steroids right now. Um with with anger happening and coming out through keyboard commandos or keyboard courage and the various things that that come out that way and we have various ways of like insulting people now me me coming from a chocolate norwegian background you know one of the very raka words that's out there is the n word mm-hmm. i mean it is and i remember pastor carl johnson saying like literally there's a word and almost of contempt in every spoken language for that and for Newly emerging European immigrants when they came to this country, that was one of the things that actually said, I'm American, by actually learning that word to be able to say to people. Um, But it really speaks to our heart's disposition um, towards one another. And so so it's not a minor thing, um, brothers and sisters, when when we use abrasive um, language towards other image bearers, towards people. And, and I use that term purposely because sometimes when we just say people, it's like, oh, yeah, fine. Well, I just, I think that person's fill in the blank. But when you look at them as God made them, the creator God made them. And uh, again, Ephesians says, put away slander and anger and malice and every unkind just thing only speak words that build up, that give grace to the hearer, not so that you have like a great reputation, but it says so that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, that's so important, David. What you just said, that's so important. It is. And and why? Because he is the, you know, as you just said, the creator. So what he's made beautiful, we're slandering, you know. Um, so, diff- so very different from the N-word. Uh Bill and I have probably heard ginger our whole lives, and then it had a oh, yes. new it had a new birth um, when my son was going through school, and literally someone came up to him and said, um, 
you're a soul eater. You have no soul because you're a ginger. Like, so, you know, you yeah. think, where, where did that come from? You know, why, why would you say that to somebody? And so just, I mean, you could almost turn the plate and, and find a lot of those type of things. You know, um, some feel like they're not as serious, but they all actually are if they're making somebody else feel bad about who God has created in them. Mm-hmm. Well, we say that whole thing, sticks and stones may break my right. bones, but words, they lied. <laughs> that that's not true and I mean like right now you could close your eyes and think of words that people have said and people who are close to you that have that have uh, said things that they, they've cut deeply mm. and, and so the ways that God speaks to us when we really because of sin are separate and the ways that he deals with us is merciful I like that. We'll continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. on the Monday afternoon mix. I think we've got some more ways to go on this one. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, our two is just ahead. Theologian and philosopher Ken Samples will be joining me for the full hour. His new book is Christianity Cross-Examined. Is it rational, relevant, and good? Get your questions ready. I know you're going to have some for Ken. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.